Praise the Lord. It's exciting to be in the house of the Lord and in love with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and to unfold our lives in his presence. This morning we heard a word on raising the dead valley, raising the dead valleys, and I thought it was so beautiful to tie in Jeremiah 31 and verse 40. I'd never done that with Ezekiel 37. Oh, the Lord wants to raise up the dead valleys, and we must prophesy, and we must believe God that they're going to be valleys of holiness, and that they'll never go back to their deplorable state again. That's the desire and will of God. So we know when we speak and pray in line with the Word of God, we're praying the will of God, raising up the dead valleys. Well, tonight I want to deal with raising up the dead life raising up the dead life, and we're going to look at the story of Lazarus. It's a familiar portion of Scripture in John chapter 11. Lazarus, the man who Jesus raised from the dead, the brother of Mary and Martha, the friend of Jesus in the town of Bethany just outside Jerusalem, and how Lazarus was raised up after he had been four days in the rock tomb. His body already critically breaking down. A man in the stages of death, no return. And Jesus used that as an illustration of our salvation experience. How he brings us out from spiritual death. And it's an apt picture that's described for Lazarus. How God brings us out of death into the life of the Holy Spirit, into spiritual life. Such a contrast, death unto life in Jesus Christ. The name Lazarus means whom God helps. Whom God helps. How many here tonight are thankful that you've been helped by God? You've been helped by the Lord. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He brings us into new life, spiritual life. Well, let's begin with a few scriptures. John chapter 11, verse 23 to 27. Even if you aren't familiar with this story tonight, There's going to be enough scripture to be able to piece it together, but it was the raising up of a dead man. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again, Lazarus in the tomb of death. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead. I like the KGV. On this verse, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. An eternal life that comes into us. There are four things about Lazarus. Four things tonight about Lazarus. Number one, Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was dead. The Bible teaches, and we know it by experience, and we know it as we look out on our world. That outside of Jesus Christ, every person is bound in a living death. People are a walking dead. They are dead, the Bible says, in trespasses and sins. Dead in sins outside of Jesus Christ. They are, as Lazarus was in the tomb, dead men cannot raise themselves. 
There's only one who can, and that's the one who has spiritual life and power, and it's Jesus Christ. We cannot raise ourselves. We cannot enliven ourselves. We cannot escape the tomb. We are stuck in the tomb of death, death in trespasses and sins without Jesus Christ. We are unable, as unable to get out of that tomb of death as Lazarus was to effect a breakthrough for himself. Lazarus was dead. Every person outside of Jesus Christ is dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every one of us outside of Christ, dead in trespasses and sins. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That's right, you were dead in your flesh life. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. In John chapter 5 and 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, now listen to these words. The hour is coming and now is, Jesus said. The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, the Bible says. The voice of the Son of God. Jesus spoke of two resurrections in John chapter 5. Further down in the chapter, verses 28 to 29, he speaks of the resurrection of the last day, when all men will be raised up, righteous and unrighteous, to stand before God. Jesus said, all the dead will rise and appear before God, those who are righteous unto everlasting life, those who are unrighteous unto everlasting damnation and condemnation. But in these first verses... Verses 24 and 25, he spoke of another resurrection. He spoke of a resurrection, a spiritual resurrection, out of death and trespasses and sins. He said the hour is coming and now is. He says it's here right now. For those who will hear the voice of the Son of God, that they could live, that they come, could come into the life of God, which is Zoe, the God life. See, people on this world, in this world, are alive. They look so very much alive. They're scurrying about doing many things. But we must define what kind of life it is. And it's physical life. It's biological life. But there is another kind of life, transcendent life in Jesus Christ. It's the Zoe. It's the God life. Jesus said the hour is coming and now is. He was pleading with his generation. And here tonight, the Lord is calling as well. Maybe there's someone here tonight that is still stuck in trespasses and sins. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. You're dead in your sins, the Bible says. You're dead in trespasses and sins. But the Son of God is calling, and he's saying the hour is coming, and it now is. 
There's an urgency in the heart of God. Jesus said to the people, you must be born again. You must be born again. He said, there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. That's the cry of God's heart. He's not willing that any should perish. Number one tonight, Lazarus was dead. Number two, Lazarus was raised. Lazarus was raised. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he'll never die again. Eternal life is in him, the born-again life, new creation life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say to Martha at that tomb, he didn't say, I was the resurrection and the life. She only had faith for the resurrection at the last day. I know my brother will rise at the last day, but Jesus has a message and a ministry at the end of time, but he has a ministry right now. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's present, he's active, he's alive. John 11 and verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. He understands the sin, the death, the struggle of human life and has compassion on us. John 11 and verse 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 43, Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was raised. Jesus Christ stood at that tomb and called out, the Bible says, with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He instructed those who were by him to roll the stone away, the rock cave of the eastern countries and how the entrance is sealed by a huge wheel, solid wheel stone that runs in a groove to open and close the entrance to the grave. Sometimes a number of bodies were buried in the same rock sepulcher. Jesus said, roll the stone away, and then he's the one who cried out, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus is the only one who can bring people out of death in trespasses and sins. But we have a part to play. He said, I want you to roll the stone away. The stone speaks of obstacles in people's lives. It speaks of an impasse. It speaks of reasons that keep people from coming to Jesus. Now we have to get involved. We've heard about the tile breaker anointing. We heard that faith without works is dead. We must exert some effort 
to get people out of death and trespasses and sins. That stone wasn't easy to move. It probably took a number of people to push that stone along in its groove. But once the doorway was open, Jesus could call the person out of death. We must roll the stone away. We must help people get rid of the reasons and excuses that keep them coming from coming to Christ. Now, it can be as simple as somebody saying, well, I just can't get to church. I have no way to get to church. I have no ride. I have no transportation. Well, arrange a ride for them. Maybe you'll stop by and pick them up and say, I'm going to exert some effort. Sure, I'd like to drive to church on my own Sunday morning, but I'm going to exert some effort. I'm going to get some stone away so Jesus can call and those people can hear his voice. There are a number of reasons, many reasons why people don't hear the voice of God or come to the Lord. Do you remember the rich young ruler in the Gospels? And Jesus put his finger on the reason that this man would not come to Christ. He was a rich young ruler. He knew the law. He came to Jesus. He came with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Sure, I'd like to have eternal life, but Jesus put his finger on the reason that that man was not coming to Christ, and it was because of his money and materialism. His money and materialism was more important to him than Jesus. He couldn't find time for both. He couldn't put Jesus ahead of his materialistic pursuit and the pursuits of life, and there are many people like that today. They don't have time for Jesus. You know, Jesus couldn't roll the stone away that day himself from that young man's life. And the Bible says the young man turned and walked away. And Jesus, looking on him, loved him. He loved him, but he couldn't call him out that day. I trust that the conviction of the words of Jesus went down into that rich young ruler so that one day in the days in the future that somewhere he bowed his knee and accepted Christ as his Lord, but we don't know. The Lord's calling us to try and move that stone, move those reasons, move those excuses. Another reason people don't serve the Lord is because they want to be part of the in crowd. They want to be part of popular culture. They want to be part of the partying and sensuality and immorality. They just can't see why they'd ever want to give that up. It's an obstacle. Sometimes people have as the stone, the obstacle, they have their family religion, their family tradition. And for them to break from a long line of family tradition in a certain religion, it really cuts against their, their heart and their system. And so they don't want to move that stone. But God's called us to get involved, to move the stone. Jesus said, I want you to roll the stone away. Let's get involved with people. Let's try and push those reasons. Let's try and push those excuses out from where they are, out of their death, so they can hear the voice of the Son of God. Lazarus, come forth. Now thank God for every person that has allowed the stone to be rolled away. Those of us sitting here tonight, somebody came and rolled the stone away, began to deal with us in the gospel, began to talk to us about Jesus Christ and eternal life, about living after this world that we will die because if we hold on to our excuses and reasons, those reasons eventually prove fatal. They prove fatal. I'm so thankful that 
Many people do believe, and the Bible says there's joy in heaven over every sinner that repents. Lazarus was raised. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was raised. Lazarus is the story of your life and mine. Lazarus is our story. We were dead. We were raised. Number three, Lazarus was loosed. Lazarus was loosed. Four things about Lazarus. John eleven forty four, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, the disciples and those standing, those who were with him, loose him and let him go. Lazarus was loosed. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. The Amplified Bible. I like that one. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. Lazarus came forth. He was raised from the dead. He came out of the death and trespasses and sins in our analogy tonight. He was saved, but he needed some loosing. Every person that comes to Christ, we need some loosing. We need to be loosened. Sometimes we come forth into the kingdom of God and we're so stiff. The Bible says be loosed, become free in Jesus Christ. Get the grave clothes off. Get the bandages off your life. Find some liberty. Find some joy. Find some laughter. Find some victory in God. Lazarus was loosed. He came out from the tomb and he was bound. His face, his hands, and his feet. His words. His works. His walk. He came out and he was pretty stiff. He didn't have a lot of liberty. But Jesus said, I want you to loose this young resurrected life. And so they went to work and they began to unravel, unwrap the grave claws that were about him. None of us need to think twice tonight to know that God wants us declaring praises with our mouth, lifting our hands in worship, dancing on injustice. That has already been loosed in heaven. That's already been loosed in heaven. Now God says, I want you to loose that in the earth. I want you to loose that in the earth. We need to find the liberty of God in our lives, to find an expression with our mouth, our hands, and our feet, to speak day after day in the prophetic words of the Lord, to speak the words of the Lord, as we've heard in the last few messages, to prophesy the word of the Lord, to speak what God speaks. God wants to get the death off our face. He wants to get the death off our mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God wants us to be loosed. He wants to free our hands so we can serve and work. That when we go to our employment, we go to our jobs, we're not there murmuring like some other people might be. We're not tedious and cranky about it, but we've got joy. We can serve. We've been loosed to serve the Lord because wherever we are, whatever our job and occupation and task is, domestically and out in the marketplace, the Bible says we are serving the Lord Christ. We've got to get the bandages off so we can enjoy the labors of the Lord in our life, our feet to walk, to walk the path of righteousness. 
Now, you know what I imagine? I think that when they were unwrapping Lazarus and getting some of those bandages off, by the time they got them off his hands, I think he was helping them get the bandages off the rest of his body because he tasted liberty. He tasted freedom. Once you've tasted the liberty of Christ, it's hard to tolerate the grave clothes again. Once you've had the laughter, the dream of God in your mouth, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. You know what it's like when the life of God is in you and the liberty of God is in you. You are so free, you feel like you're walking on air. And once you've experienced that, you don't want to go back to the bondage. But every week, the flesh is trying to get those wrappings on you again. The devil would like to get the grave clothes back on you, on your face, so that you come out of the house of the Lord, and two days later, you've fallen back into the same funk that you've experienced time and time again. The Lord wants us to be loosed. The Lord wants us to be free. Is there some area tonight when you look at your life tonight and you say, I, I'm not free in that area, I'm bound. It might be an attitude that's crept back in your heart. It might be a reluctance. It might be an attitude or resentment against certain people or certain situations. Is there, is there some grave cloth that is sticking to you tonight? The Lord wants to give you a fresh start this week. His mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. We rise up in the morning, and it doesn't matter what kind of a day we had yesterday. Maybe we didn't walk in the victory of the Lord, but we know that when we wake up on this morning, his mercies are new every morning. Today's a new day. It's a new start. That's what God gives us. And he says, I want you to walk out your liberty. I want you to walk out your victory. Well, every week in the house of God, every Sunday is a new start. Seven days, the Lord says, I give you a new start. And let's go out and walk in the liberty of the Lord this week. And not fall back into the yoke of bondage. The Apostle Paul said, stand fast in the liberty with, wherewith Christ has set you free. Jesus Christ sets you free. Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Get into the presence of Jesus until you hear his word. You are loosed. You are set free. And then walk in the liberty of God. For Jesus Christ sets us free. I'm here tonight saying along with all of you, I don't like to tolerate grave claws on me anymore. And I can feel when the wrapping's starting to come. And I'm going to shred that. I'm going to tear it off. I want to walk in the joy, the laughter, the liberty, the victory of Christ in every situation of every day. God wants his people free. Number three, Lazarus was loosed. Lazarus was loosed. Is there anyone here tonight that needs to be loosed? Maybe the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart right now. Or you've allowed the yoke of bondage. You've allowed the struggle of something that was once broken in your life to creep back on you. I'm here to announce to you that the Lord is speaking to you and saying you cast off that yoke of bondage. You don't let that heaviness come back on your life. You tear off those grave clothes because Jesus Christ sets you free. 
Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was raised. Lazarus was loosed. And number four, Lazarus was seated at the table with Jesus. Lazarus was seated at the table with Jesus. John 12, 1 and 2. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. When I used to preach the Lazarus message, I used to stop at the end of chapter 11, but I don't anymore. I push on into chapter 12 now because there's something else about Lazarus. He was not only dead, raised, and loosed. He was seated at the table with Jesus. And I wonder what they were talking about. You know they were talking about the miracle. They were talking about the wonders of the gospel. They were talking about the power of Christ to raise the dead and how that spoke of the spiritual realms. They were talking of the joy of family reunion for that family that was weeping because it had been broken by death. That family was now restored, and they were celebrating and rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. Lazarus was seated at the table with Jesus. The Lord longs for our fellowship. Let's not talk about him like he's not in the room. Let's not talk about him in third person. Let's talk to him. Let's learn to get more personal with Jesus at the table. The Bible reveals to us a God that wants to sit at the table with us. He wants to commune with us. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into them and dine with them and they with me. He said, we're going to sit across the table. We're going to talk. We're going to fellowship. We're going to share life. We're going to weep together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to work through trial together. We're going to speak promises into one another's lives and remind of the great things of God and what he wants to do for us. In the Gospels, Jesus was at the table with people. Bible says he was a friend of publicans and sinners. He ate with the people. If you read through the Gospels, you're, it's kind of amazing when your eyes are open to it how much time Jesus sat at the table with people and fellowship with them. Yes, he had the ministry. He had the crusades. He had the training of the 12. He had many things to do, but he had time as well to sit at the table with people. He's showing us what God is like. He's showing us what God is like and what the heart of God is. Now, some of them, those who were his accusers, slandered him. They said, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. It was a slander against the Lord. They saw that he was fellowshipping with people, and they used it to justify their accusation against him. But we all know that Jesus would never have crossed the line and acted inappropriately, that he was entire mannerly at the table. Luke 13, 26 tells us that the people said, you ate and drank in our presence. You ate and drank in our presence. The morning of the resurrection, that day as he walked 
to the, the road to Emmaus with two of, the, of disciples, two disciples, not of the, the eleven, two other disciples. He went into the house at Emmaus, and he sat at the table, and the Bible says he broke bread, and he blessed it, and he gave it to them. This is the resurrected Christ. The same day, a few hours later, he showed up in the room where the 11 terrified disciples were gathering. Jesus showed up in the room, and he said to them, do you have any food here? They said, yeah, we do. We've got some, we've got some broiled fish, and we have some honeycomb. And the Bible says he ate in their presence. Sometime later at the Sea of Galilee, the disciples had fished all night and caught nothing, weary, tired, cold in the morning. And as they arrived at the shore, Jesus called them, and there he had a fire burning for them to warm themselves, and there was fresh fish on the coals and bread to eat. The Lord loves to fellowship with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to sit at the breakfast table. He showed up in his resurrection life and sat at the table with breakfast with the disciples. He wants us to commune with him. I want to say to us, let's be more conscious of the presence of Jesus. Let's have our breakfast, or if we're alone and we're having tea or coffee or a meal, let's talk to the Lord like a friend because he is a best friend God. That's who he wants to be. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was raised. Lazarus was loosed. Lazarus was seated at the table with Jesus. Worship team, come. John chapter 12 and verse 9. Now a great many of the Jews knew that Jesus was at the house and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. My, what a verse. People came not only to see Jesus, they came to see this one called Lazarus, whom the Lord had raised from the dead. They marveled that a man so dead could now be so alive. People came. People from the community. These weren't born again people, many of them. They came. They couldn't believe that a man so dead was now alive. They wanted to see him for themselves and behold what had happened to him. The Lord wants us to take something from this verse tonight. He wants us to be so alive that people marvel at what's taken place with us. So I knew that person. They were so dead. They were so moody. They were so bound. They were so frustrated with life. What, what has happened to them? They are now so alive. They're bright. They're full of the joy of the Lord. There's laughter on their tongue. They speak the promises of God. They're encouraging. They're life-giving. Think of a verse in Exodus chapter 1 where the, the world, the Egyptians said, the Egyptians said, the world crowd said, the Hebrew women, the women of God are more lively than us. They're so lively they can give birth quickly. They're full of power. They're full of vigor. They're full of life. I wonder, I wonder if we've got enough life in us that people marvel at us because we are the miracles just like Lazarus. 
I wonder if people at our employment, I wonder if people that we speak to say, my, there's something different about that person, their words, their spirit, their joy. Their power in life is different because we are the miracles. We're the miracles of God. And tonight I'd like you to stand as we close out in worship and let's marvel at the great work that God has done in us. Lazarus is our story. We were dead. We were raised. We were loosed and are being loosed and we're seated at the table with Jesus to fellowship with him and to walk with him. Receive the blessing of the Lord tonight and receive a fresh touch of the Lord. Perhaps there's someone here tonight that is still dead in trespasses and sins. There's someone here tonight, you're dead in your sins. You don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know the joy of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. If that's you tonight, hear the voice of the Son of God. Jesus Christ is calling you. He's not willing that any should perish and go to a Christless eternity. He's calling every person. If you don't know Jesus tonight, would you please slip out from where you are and come to the front of this congregation and sanctuary and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. So we begin to worship. If that's you, make your way down. Maybe there are others here that... It's an area of bondage that's come into your life. Some grave clothes have come back. Some attitude, some disposition. Some habit. Some fleshly way of reacting once again to people and situations. But tonight you're saying, I recognize that. Those are grave claws. I can't tolerate that. It wears me down. It breaks me down. It causes me not to live the way I want to live. And tonight, surrender that to Jesus. Rip that thing off. Rip that grave cloth off. If there's some area that you're struggling with and you say, I'd like prayer tonight, then make your way down to this altar. People will come and pray with you. The Bible says we are to command deliverances for God's people. There are people here tonight that will command deliverances for you, that you'll be set free by the power of God and live and live in his powerful resurrection life. We belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. We belong to Jesus. Lord, that we would be lively, that we would be loosed, Father God, that we would be bold, that we would be strong, that we would be invigorated by your Holy Spirit. Help us to live, Lord, the God life, that life of Christ in us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come and pray with those.